Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our From the Trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, we have Charles from Flickinger Glassworks. Um, Thank you, Charles, for, for joining us today. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about your background. I was, I was looking at your website, and your work is very impressive. So tell me, how, how did you get into this? Um, I started early on, I think even as um, a child, I was taken with glass. I was taken with the material, and that has held on to me. I went to the First United Methodist Church in Norwalk, Ohio, and I was just knocked out by the stained glass windows. And so early in my career, beginning in 74, that's what I did with stained glass design and restoration work. And I worked on my own, but I also worked for large um, restoration houses here in New York. Um, and I did that for a number of years before I started my own business in 1985. Um, I will say that the, really the biggest um, influence for me has been my mentors. I was very lucky starting in 1982 that I met and spent a lot of time with five Uh, men who had uh, bent and done hot glass work their entire lives. And they were artists, they were preservationists, they were, you know, had big glass factories in Mexico, they had big operations in Kew Gardens, Queens, and I I learned from them. Um, I started uh, in a small studio, 200 square feet in Park Slope, um, Brooklyn, in really 1984. I shared it with a sculptor. Uh, I then moved to an 800-square-foot shop in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, um, in 19, later in 1985. And then with um, a bit of success um, and really, um, what can I say, craziness, I decided <laughs> I, was ready, I was ready for 7,000 square feet in Red Hook, Brooklyn. I was not. Um, and if, <laughs> and, I think that's a typical. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, um, what you don't know um, may serve you sometimes. And uh, as much as I, I, was, a, I was a glass artisan, um, and it was my goal to do glass work for a living, um, I was not a business person. 
However, I found out early on it was important to learn as much business as you could if you wanted to really have long-term success. My father was a successful businessman. He had an independent insurance agency, and, um, and I knew about profits and loss statements. I knew about balance sheets. I knew about cash flow. I knew what it meant to um, the expense of taking on an additional employee. So I learned a lot from my dad, um, and he, I do consider one of my mentors. When you walk into my shop, um, there's a, a photo gallery. It's called the Glass Benders Hall of Fame, and there are <laughs> photos of all my mentors and and with little bios of them. So oh, that's, that's yeah. That's sort of it in a nutshell. How I how I got started. Yeah, and that's really I think important because I know we feel like we need to. Um, pass on the knowledge that we have and you know that's one of the reasons that we do this and other other educational re, you know outreach because it is important to share this knowledge with with other people so i think i think that's great and having having your father and having that financial knowledge is it puts you way ahead of most of most craft people so i Right. I, I think that's great. I mean, you, you, it, it makes sense to me because the 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 artistry, you can't just you know live on that level. You have to also like live in this world too. <laughs> no, no, you yeah. really do. Yeah. And I'll tell you, yeah. um, through my career. Um, I have a lot of, for, for a, a relatively small um, factory, I have a lot of very good glass equipment that I got used, and I got all of it from glass businesses that went out of business. Right. Um, you know, they didn't, pay the, uh, they didn't pay their taxes, they fell behind, whatever. And so um, it's, uh, yeah, you've got to do good business um, first and foremost. Yes, yes, very much. So you told us a little bit about how you started your business. How did you go from, you know, stained glass as your medium to, you know, doing this curved glass and these these pieces for, you know, restoration but also, you know, as as like standalone artwork too. Right. Well, I'll tell you, I took a, um, a glass bending workshop that was, was then called the Experimental Glass Workshop down on Mulberry Street in Little Italy in Manhattan. Um, it's now called Urban Glass. It's, it's a big operation, not-for-profit out here in Brooklyn um, these days. But I took a workshop with Sidney Cash. Um, it was a two-day workshop on glass bending. And I thought, boy, if I ever wanted to work for myself, I wouldn't be competing against a lot of other fine stained glass shops in Manhattan. Right. This is a little bit of a specialty. So from yeah. there, um, I um, read a little um, ad in a penny saver in Brooklyn that said, you know, uh, Morgan Glass is, um, uh, is um, selling his business, and John Morgan was a fourth-generation Welsh glass bender in Winsburg, Brooklyn. So I went and talked with him. I ended up subsequently buying half of his steel molds. I now have about 4,000 steel molds that I either inherited or purchased from my mentors when they went out of business. So we have oh a very goodness. good stock of yeah, molds. We have great. five five kilns and there are just point of information there's eight of us who work in my shop full time okay. um so i got started with um really my first job was with um um um, the Met and the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I repaired a bent glass lampshade, um, and um, and I've done a lot of preservation work early on. If smaller projects that 
help me develop some cash flow. So we would repair right. um, some fixtures for Museum of Modern Art for the, when they would have a Bauhaus collection, some of the original Bauhaus fixtures. Um, work for auction houses. Uh, actually, I, you know, one of the very first jobs, too, was for uh, Christie's. Again, that was a lamp repair. So over the years, and it only continues to grow, people really want to repair and hold on to their old um, lighting fixtures. And not just private um, lamp owners, but also uh, government buildings. Um, you know, right. we repaired um, the lights, did the bent glass at Grand Central Terminal during their big renovation in the late 80s, early 90s. And we, I think what we're known for is repairing the clock face at the information booth at uh, Grand Central. So we bent those clock faces and did the hand-painted lettering and all of that stuff. So preservation has always been a big part of our business. Yes, yes. I, and I just have a question. You were talking about the mold. So do you take like flat glass and then heat it and mold it to it? Is that how the molds work or is it more of a poured process? No, our raw material is flat glass. So okay. we have hundreds of types of glass. We, it's art glass from, it's um, manufactured in West Virginia or Indiana. We get glass from Canada, from, from, um, from Thailand, from all over the world, from France, from, uh, definitely from Germany. And then depending, um, the art glass is used more for lighting. And oh, the, yeah. the different types of clear glass, which are restoration glass, starfire, low iron glass, as well as plate glass, is used for um, sash window restoration work, as well as uh, display cases for department stores. So we repair a lot of uh, display cases for Saks oh, yeah. and for, yeah. for Dorf and for the polo stores. Very, very interesting. I never, I never, until I heard you talking about the molds, I never even thought about how, how, that, how that would actually happen. So I learned something. <laughs> sure, that's exactly so, it. Yeah, so we're putting a yeah. piece of flat glass on a three-dimensional steel mold in an oven, um, working the temperatures up to about 1,200 degrees, and um, the glass then shapes into the mold. Of course, it has to be properly annealed. Um, some of the, um, you know, some of the um, bends are very tricky. They're elliptically shaped. You have to have optical surface quality and all this. Um, right. So we don't have, I mean, our... Our ovens are set up. You have a, a high-end technician bending one piece at a time in our large, medium, and small ovens. Yeah, yeah, that 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 that's amazing. That's amazing. That sounds like a field trip I'd like to go on. Well, so you've uh, you've kind of talked about your the kind of the different projects you've done, but what what do you offer? Like, what types of projects and services do you just do the glass, or do you do installation? Like, what what do you do? If someone brings a lamp to us to repair, well, typically we can do all of the, the renovation, um, restoration work that would have to happen. Um, to some extent, we are a job shop. That means we're making parts for other people's products, okay. such as new display cases or um, we do uh, storefront work where it's bent laminated insulated panels. Um, we do a lot of uh, new display cases where we're just doing the bent glass. We're doing sneeze guards for restaurants. Um, and, and then we do a lot of specialty work. Right now um, we're working on a, a, a lighthouse on Block Island. Um, we've done uh, a few lighthouses, and we're also, right now, we're working on a chocolate fountain for a cruise liner. So 
this bent glass is mounted on a wall and and chocolate flows down it into a chocolate pool. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so a lot of specialty one-off. We do a lot of work for yeah. artists, um, one-off art projects um, also. Yeah. Okay, and you talked a little bit about your work at Grand Central Station, and I saw, I believe on, on your website, that you were involved with uh, the restoration in the, in, was it the late 80s on the um, – Torch for um, the Statue of Liberty? Um, yes, it was in the early 80s. Okay. And oh, the early at, 80s. Okay. And I was not, um, it was for the centennial celebration of the Statue of Liberty, and I was actually working for Rambush Decorating at the time. Okay. So I was employed by a stained glass studio, um, and we went out on a workboat for three or four months, and we, we restored the original bent glass that was in the flame on the torch. Okay, very cool, very cool. And so do you, is it, um, I'm trying to think, like, that, that um, is it, um, like mostly those kinds of projects are they mostly like public projects and like the the Grand Central or like your most notable projects like they're more like public buildings or public displays or, or monuments is that would you say that that's true? I would say that um, they're the ones you're going to see because you know as you stated they're out in the public. So we'll right, do the, right. the, the we'll do the lighting at the Nebraska State House. We'll do um, the lighting at the at the Ohio State Legislative Buildings, or the legislative buildings in Trenton, New Jersey, um, or at you know public um, venues um, like department stores. But a lot of our um, finer work can be in, in private homes, and you're never going to see it. You know, right? So right done yeah. some incredible woven glass sculptural ceilings that are, are in private homes in Washington DC and you're you're you know you, you'll never see them <laughs> so right. um, so it's, it's so it's kind of both things um, yeah. things are out in the public and and things are are held um, are held privately yeah yes yes yeah I, I the the more that I hear, I was excited when I looked at your website. But the more that I hear you talk, it it just sounds like you're really you're really creating art. Whether you're whether you're you know making something for the cruise ship or you know restoring a national monument, it's really the art is all connected. Um, well, it I, is. It's yeah. it's very high end artisanal work, and without yeah. exaggerating, I can probably say the glass technicians who work in my shop are probably the you know the most talented in the city and oh, that's sure. because yeah. we do so many I mean 25% of the work that comes into our shop we don't know if it's possible to do it when we do it it's something that will that will have been done um, for the first time right um, However, I want to be clear. I mean I always think of art as dealing with what's sort of the unknown um, art artisanal work is more is what's known we are being directed for the most part, um, oh, but yeah, we yeah. but we certainly have a big a lot uh, uh, we have a voice when we're talking to architects, designers, um, artists about what we're trying yeah. to fabricate, and we tell them and show them what can really be done with glass. That sometimes we can right. stretch their imaginations, and sometimes we have to rein things back and tell them <laughs> things that you know right. that you physically can't do with glass. You know, so. right? So that that is impossible. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. And, um, yeah. Like one of my mentors, John Morgan, um, told me, he says, you think your career is going to be about fabricating glass? He says it's going to be about educating your customers. Um, yeah. He, he's right. 
I I I I agree with that too. Yeah. And and a lot of it is, you know, and sometimes it I think yeah, being on that edge where you're kind of pushing yourself and pushing the limits and seeing what can be done. That's those are exciting times, but they're also like sleepless nights. <laughs> Or you're um, trying, to, trying to find a solution. <laughs> oh, there. Oh, yeah. There, there's no. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we're manufacturers yeah. in New York City. There's a lot yeah. of pressure yeah. from many, yeah. uh, from many different uh, parts of doing business. You know it. And like you say, though, um, uh, truly, one of them is that um, you are pushing. You don't know how you're going to actually complete a project. That is right, true. right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, um, I know you talked a little bit about you know knowing that you needed to have a business background, but or what did you what do you wish that you knew when you got started that you know now? Mm, you know, I think that's um, uh, oh, you know, a hundred things, right? But right. <laughs> sometimes you know you're not you know sometimes you don't learn those things without making mistakes, and you don't learn. There's nothing you can learn early on. Um, I many times just watch my employees make mistakes um, because right. I say, boy, don't try to tell them. Just let them do it and find out. <laughs> um, but I guess, I guess I, if I knew more about how to be a, how to be a boss, how to be a oh, leader, yeah. um, fortunately, a little bit of that comes to me uh, somewhat naturally. But if I could have really learned more about um, how to be a boss, and and lead a company, um, and there are work. There are people who teach these things. I think that's the kind of thing I would have wanted to know more about. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree because I think just because you're a good craftsperson doesn't necessarily translate into being a good manager. And I think that's I think that's, that's right. a struggle and a and a, tr- a struggle for a transition to for a lot of people. It it is. It's it's yeah. very hard. It's it's you know because. You've got a lot of very close relationships um, in my shop, yeah. and yeah. it's it's about mutual respect, and it's about being a professional and not taking things personally and not letting others take things personally. It's not personal. It's business, and that's yeah. always and very it, clear. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes, yeah, especially in a small shop, that sometimes that line, you know, starts to get stretched, and that, yeah, that is when there's problems. <laughs> oh, yeah, that yeah. something has to be nipped in the bud right away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. So, uh, from your 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 niche of of preservation and 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 repair, what are the biggest challenges or trends do you see? Um, well, I think that um, I've been willing to take on more challenges. I. I am Charles Flickinger. I'm the one who does the lamp repairs because it's really tricky and it's very challenging. And um, we get a lot of old lamps in, as I've said, to repair. And I see people wanting to restore more of the lamps. Um, all you know, and also because of landmark um, uh, um, laws, uh, more people have to um, have things done in a respectful way when you're restoring right. a building oh yeah you want you can't just tear your windows out and put in you know uh and put in uh, aluminum uh, uh clad flat windows anymore you have to right. uh, especially for buildings like well we did all the windows at uh, glass windows at the um museum of natural history well they had to follow a, a protocol of course landmark buildings so that that has been a big change and i think generally and i'm i'm sure 
um, that um, folks would would agree to to a large extent that you know um, one thing is that makers and there's a newfound respect and recognition for people who are making a living with their hands. Um, I, I agree. Yeah. And people are want to come in. Um, youngsters want to come into my shop and see people making a living the old-fashioned way with your hands. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of mutual respect for other fields uh, that we have, and and no one's going to um, get rich or in, really make a lot of money doing things this way. You have to be passionate about the material. You have to be passionate right. about the work, and 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 that's what has to matter. Yeah, and and I definitely I definitely see that that a trend a trend culturally um, happening, even like the farm to table, all of those things, just trying to get back to a, a more I, I don't know if simple is the right word. I don't know if I that's think it is. going that far. Okay, yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, I think I think uh, uh, simple is is definitely the right word <laughs> that's what i would use you know we do a line of um we do a line of tableware um and um this line of tableware i have finally um refined it so that in life you only need one bowl and that's all my wife and i eat out of it doesn't breakfast lunch and dinner doesn't matter what you're eating so i used to have all sorts of tableware sets and side dishes and all this stuff i sold in my shop and now in our showroom you get one bowl one size you can get it in different um, um, colors and right. thicknesses, but you only get one shape. So <laughs> that's what it is. Here's yeah, a great yeah. quote from Admiral Richard Byrd that is on the showroom in my shop, and it says, half the confusion in the world comes from not knowing how little we need. Doesn't that kind of sum it up? It does. It does. Yeah. And, and I do think that you know, once you start to strip down, you do find that you, you know, you don't even miss what you had. Yeah. Uh, agreed. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, so how, how can our, um, oh, well, is there anything else that you wanted to share that we didn't cover? Well, I would just say that, um, as I mentioned, I've been doing glassworks since 1974. I have run Flickinger Glassworks for the past 35 years. Um, I turn... 70 next month and nobody lives forever (laughs) and so that said i am looking for any ideas on uh on uh, transitions and anyone who wants to speak about how to keep this business moving into the future without me very good Uh, i will put that out there yeah definitely because it's a it's a, a sweet um, successful business, um, and if, if anyone felt like um, really grabbing the bull by the horns and jumping into the big leagues here in New York, it's a wonderful opportunity. Um, if people want to reach me, um, my email, charles at flickingerglassworks.com, I can okay. spell that or not, um, or um, you can call our shop. We're, you know, Flickinger Glassworks in Red Hook, Brooklyn, where you can find us. <laughs> you know, you, okay. can, you can Google Flickinger Glassworks. I'll come up. My email will come up. Our phone number will come up. And as you can tell from us talking, I'm not shy. So, you know, people can reach out and, 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 and talk about anything. Yeah. And I'll make sure that all of your contact information and a link to your website are, are on our site where we put the put the podcast up to. So if somebody wants to listens and then wants to come back, they definitely can. That's terrific. Thank you okay. for that. 
Thank you. Um, and did you have any offers for our listeners? Any place, any, any, your tableware, anything? Well, um, yes. I'm offering, if anybody wants to come down to Red Hook, we're right on the harbor. Our business is, okay. you know, 30 feet from the water. I would offer people the wonderful um, um, opportunity to tour Red Hook, Brooklyn, which is not, like nothing else in Brooklyn or New York City, to come down and see our shop and see our showroom. Um, and we are open, um, you know, five days a week, all day, and we're open most Saturdays. Um, so that's my offer. Okay, well, very good. I, I, I might, uh, next time we are up that way, I will take you up on that offer. I would love it. And if anyone wants a brochure, they can contact me. We have a very nice, simple brochure that we send out. Okay. Okay, very good. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Um, well, thank you, Danielle. You're doing quite a service. You're doing admirable work. Thank you. You are too. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.